reviewing an episode that uses the same sound packs I was using when I was making Quake levels when I was in high school. It's Viger Please, a heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. Well, hey there. I just finished watching what I can say is my favorite episode of Star Trek Enterprise. I'm your co-host, <laughs> Peter. This was like made in a lab specifically for you. And of all of the episodes of Star Trek for us to watch, immediately following up doing a review uh, of the reanimator, man, it's just back to back horror. <laughs> what a treat. What a treat. I remembered the plot points, but I did not remember the production detail. And that was a joy to behold in full HD in the fashion that I was able to enjoy it. But well, I we're think talking I... joy and treats. You know what the opposite of that is, Joe? If I know you well enough, Peter, it's being spoiled. It's the thing you hate the most. Fucking spoilers, man. Life yeah. in 2023 is a goddamn minefield if you are anywhere near pop culture and you know sometimes you get lucky and you watch shit that nobody cares about anymore like voyager or enterprise and even voyager really had a renaissance where i had to like try to avoid things but like god forbid if you're watching game of thrones before it turned into complete dog shit if you're trying to watch mandalorian which i'd love to tell you my mandalorian spoiler story which was you know epic <laughs> feel free to <laughs> If you think it's if you think it's good grist for the mill, we can go through it. I mean, you know, Mandalorian's coming out. It's the end of season two, which if you have not watched The Mandalorian, which I don't believe any of our listeners possibly could not have. There's a huge cameo at the end that is so powerful, it probably brought 86 percent of the viewer base to tears, literally. Right. Yeah. The episode comes out. Available for streaming, you know, 3 a.m. or whatever. I have plans to get home and watch it with my wife, like at seven o'clock. And by four o'clock, the fucking Google news feed, if you swipe left from the home screen on Android, right there at the top was like Den of Geek. Hey, here's the CGI effects used to bring character X back and how he felt about it and this and that. And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? And like, a lot of shit happens on the Internet and I'm old. I, I, I've, I've steeled myself against it, right? I don't mm -hmm. usually wig out, but man, I went on a fucking warpath. I took Den of Geek. I permanently blocked them. I MF'd them on Twitter with like millions of other people and I blocked it from every other thing I could find possible. And ultimately, you know, their algorithm stunk or the, the fact they would put that as like the, the, the picture to associate with the article. But really, Google was a culprit. Yeah. Yeah, Google scooped that up because a lot of people were searching it and then they put it in everyone's face because it, it doesn't understand spoilers. Right. Right. So I, I want to pivot this now because the other part of 20, you know, this is all going to boil down to us talking about Picard. I haven't watched it yet. I didn't even know if I wanted to watch it. And luckily for uh, fuckface Alex Kurtzman, his lackey, Terry McGillis or whatever his name Terry is. Terry Metallus, yeah. Metallus. <laughs> Uh, was able to give him an 11th hour win before his contract expired. We've decided we want to watch this thing, uh, that we're going to do some sort of review on it. Now I've got this fucking sword of Damocles. I already had three major things spoiled, and that's with me not looking at all. Yeah. Searching I, anything. When this conversation came up between the two of us, because I knew, knowing Peter as well as I do, particularly in his media consumption habits, I knew he really didn't want to be spoiled and people were getting real loose and real naughty with their YouTube titles 
to get clicks because this show took off. The ratings for week four came out, and this is Paramount Plus's only second show to make the top ten ever. Very low and bar, to be fair. Low bar because the service is pretty new, but uh, you know it is doing better as in terms of a trajectory than their Yellowstone prequel that had Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford in it. So it's it's become a big deal and it's grown larger. And I'm just like, oh, Jesus, this shit's going to... I can't imagine how much Trek shit is in your algorithm. It's just going to fucking throw it in your face at some point if you're not careful. And it leaves me with this conundrum and it's like, okay, uh, <clears throat> I have to fight this creeping tide of DS9 spoilers. If I do want to watch Star Trek videos at this point, I open an incognito tab and watch so it doesn't like pick it up in my algorithm. I don't want to get to a point where I'm like saying I'm not interested, like thumbs downing and like saying I'm not interested in Star Trek as a whole, which I almost got to that point with it presenting Picard season two stuff to me, which is just complete garbage. Oh, yeah. And I was happy to write. I, I wanted to write Picard off completely. And it's only because, you know, everyone in the world is on one knee blowing season three i'm considering it but you know we we all know that spoilers are out there it's a major hassle it's a gun to your head to go out and watch this stuff real time which i'm sure the streaming services love you know i had fucking uh force awakens spoiled for me i'm like i'm not watching any trailers i'm not reading reviews whatever i went in there knowing nothing about that movie and as i put my foot on the curb to the movie theater someone's like i can't believe kylo killed his dad and it's like instantly i know it's gonna be fucking han right right like, i should have hit the fucking guy at the time, knowing now that the, you know, that you trilogy... imagine just coming out of the theater and you're having a loud conversation about the movie you just watched. And then you say that and you like look up and meets eyes with you as you're considering physical harm. I think if I would have punched him too, his friend should have been like, yeah, buddy. Yes. Just yeah, like no, that's fine. You should have accepted been like takes his glasses off. Like, go ahead. Yeah, no, I luckily, earned this. Luckily, the Kennedy sequel trilogy was garbage in the end and <laughs> nothing yeah, dude, of value nothing was lost, of value was lost. <laughs> the culprit here is google they're the one pushing all the stuff at you through youtube uh through targeted ads with adsense google news feeds this and that i use android so certainly i'm in deep with them you pivot around you got chat gpt and you've got google bard oh look at our new uh ai technology and and fake audio and uh, you know you can make uh the pope playing fucking starcraft or whatever here's all these art thievery we've got an intelligent chatbot that's just going to completely fucking bleed your grandma dry of whatever money she has left once all the indian call center scams get a hold of it and some robots willing to sit there and talk to the elderly for six hours until they finally get credit card numbers out of them Pivot this AI technology. Give me something in Google where I can say, this is a shit I care about. Please block that from my newsfeed so I don't get it spoiled. That's AI technology I can get behind that's going to add genuine quality of service improvements to people's lives. But you know what? That's not going to up the ad clicks. So you're never going to see that come to fruition. I'm, I don't know if you'll never see it come to fruition because if they create an AI that is smart enough to be able to understand the concept of popular culture media spoilers, that it's in their interests to have that be functionality you can access because then you'll be directed towards different things that will keep you engaged in the algorithm and in the content mill. Relabel Bard to Goalie? 
make it a <laughs> make it a five dollar a month service, and Goalie will block all media content that you're trying to be unspoiled on from your feeds. And there's a subscription I can get behind. That's more valuable to me than fucking World of Warcraft, and that's still what fifteen dollars. That's very true. It is. Okay. There, there, there's your free product research focus group information, Google. And yeah, I know you're listening. If, I mean, you know, we are putting it on their platform. <laughs> if every right to. And that's something else I was thinking about, too. You know, uh, JK, Jonathan, he did uh, an animation for his season eight of Voyager. Yeah, with AI voices. Which he said he paid like $1,200 for that clip. And it sounded good. I mean, you've got Kate Mulgrew's voice all over eight seasons. And I'm sitting there like thinking, man, you know, just boost people's voices out of TV shows. And there it goes. And I'm like, oh, fuck. As someone who personally has hundreds of hours of me talking. Fortunately for us, we're not important. <laughs> so the the concept that someone would impersonate us for for gain of some kind seems distant. You say that and then someone takes a picture of you and cuts your eyes out and has like cat turds shooting out and makes a meme out of it or whatever. And you're like, oh, that that's my Facebook photo profile picture. And someone's made me lick a dog's butt or something. Um, <laughs> it'll happen, Joe. It's just a matter of when. I don't want to be famous. But what I do want to talk about is this episode of Star Trek we watched. Uh, what was it, Peter? What was this masterpiece? Season three, episode five, Impulse, first aired October 8th. Why not hold out? I mean, this is really well placed, I guess, if you're if you're trying to rev people up for Halloween. October yeah. 8th, 2003, teleplay by Jonathan Fernandez, story by Jonathan Fernandez and Terry, Terry Metalis. <laughs> it's your boy. Well, well, directed by David Livingston. And normally Livingston gets the job done. And he gets the job done fast and efficient. But I've never looked at anything that David Livingston has done across Voyager or Enterprise and been like, man, this was fancy. This was, There is something. There's style here. Uh, yeah. And this certainly broke that mold. This is unlike any other episode of Star Trek. I think we have overwatched together. It is deeply uh, cinematic. It is it is a zombie movie. We watch a short zombie film. Just the, the claustrophobia at work in how they managed to sell their premise and combine that with ambient noise choices, musical choices, action. It takes a level of craft that I agree. David Livingston's kind of a worker. I did not have him having this level of touch and artistry in him. But I feel like that is conveyed. There's a lot more at play than just fancy cinematography, too. It's a solid ass story, and it's not a fancy story, but it is an airtight story. And there's stuff mm -hmm. I started criticizing early in the episode that by the end, I was like, man, no, this that all had to happen. Like the fact that Terry Metalis wrote this actually like and how tight it is, it's similar to some of the things he's been able to do in Picard. I, I see his touch now. Take regener was it regeneration? That's the Borg episode. Yes, it was. Mm -hmm. Everything I said about how they could have just did an entire horror movie episode. Yeah, and here it was. <laughs> yep, this is what this would look like. Whatever anybody out there might have said, like, no, you can't do it. Like, ab, you could have. 
these dudes, this, this, I said this movie, this episode. Yeah. I mean, that, that was the scariest fucking thing I think we've seen. Whatever horror or suspense or thrill you were supposed to get off a of species 8472. Eight, eight, yeah. Space you nailed it. Yeah, well, yeah. This threw in the trash. And I think short of like early Borg encounters where they're taking Picard and like really, you know, cue who. Yeah, and 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 this thing just wiped the floor with it. I don't think it's close. I mean, it's certainly the most effective use of the horror genre within Berman era Trek to date. I, I can't think of anything in TNG or DS9 that comes close. All the characters portrayed well. Yeah. Nobody seemed unreasonable. All of the character roles and actions were given to the actors. Like, hey, I know you can do this stuff. Go ahead and do it. I think the only kind of weak link through this was some of T'Pol's outbursts. I don't know if Jolene Blaylock was really sticking, but I'm willing to give her some leeway on it. I felt like they didn't know exactly how to modulate that. And so she came off stronger in some scenes than she did near the end when she's just kind of like being pulled along. And it's like there should have been a ramp up, right? Like there should have been more intensity as time went on with her madness. But instead, it sort of like petered out so that they could do action, mm. which valid choice. All of that was great. Uh, but I think the greatest compliment I can give it is Reed even held his gun like he meant it. <laughs> like, oh, I'll get into Reed. Don't worry about that. <laughs> this 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 uh, this was a tough extraction mission. <laughs> Reed got several ranks up. Yeah. We we have very quick teaser. Uh, according to the memory alpha, the quickest in, in Star Trek history, eighteen seconds, and it is Archer bringing T'Pol in the sick bay, and she's flipping the fuck out. She's got growths. She is trying to break out of restraints, and she screams. And they cut to it's a long road. So <laughs> they start the intro. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, straight to the point. Real shaky cam, real neurotic uh, tension builder. And I mean, we've done stuff like this before. Like, oh, so and so's acting goofy. I instantly, the real criticism in this episode is the god awful makeup they put on Scott Bakula. <laughs> his face, his head wound makeup. Yeah, not good. It's not head wound. It's just a scratch. There, there's nothing to get hard for there. Trust me. But it's just. Dracula vile blood from spirit Halloween. Yeah, I've literally seen you do this effect better. Yes. On, on joke, Johnny Creed. Yes. On your joke LARP character. Uh, but they start this, the, the season three intro and my wife just happens to be in the room and instantly she starts laughing. She said, Oh, what's this? Is this new? Did they update this? Is this a modernized, and this is a quote, by the way, is this a modernized intro for today's rodeo clown? It's so spunky. You're just mad you lost the vote. You're trying like, Casey could have voted. She's on the no, Facebook she group. she can't vote because of stupid fucking voting rules would have prohibited. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, joking aside, do you legitimately think that this is worse or better? And she's like, I think it's better just in that like they're embracing that it's a trash intro and they're just trying to make it as bad as they can 
So now it feels like a joke intro. And I'm like, it sounds like full house. She's like, that's exactly what it sounds like. It's full house. (laughs) I still think it's better. So I also want to say that when they've got to Paul and they're bringing her in to uh, sick bay and they're trying to pin her down and she is thrashing and kicking. She's fucking pissed. She's going wild. You're trying to kill me. I don't trust you. No, no, no. Head left and right. And just don't let him put that near me. Don't let him. There's a hypospray. She's going to hit him in the neck. You don't know this, Joe, but I'm talking to all my adult uh, parents out there who listen. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you have not seen this scene, just take the picture of T'Pol's face and put it on your own child. When you were trying to use a snot sucker on him. <laughs> For anybody that's not a parent, a snot sucker is like a cylinder tube with a hose coming off of it and a mouthpiece. And you jam the tube in a toddler's snotty ass nose and you suck and you pull snot out of their nose in this tube. And they act like you've got a fucking power drill and you are going for the brain. And that's that's exact. Her portrayal there is is a one for one ratio recreation faithfully i I wonder if jolene blaylock was actually a parent at this point and she was just i've never even heard of the snot sucker this is horrifying yeah the picture on the snot sucker it's a real cute happy drawing and it's like a happy mom and she's got the snot sucker and she's doing the baby and both the mother and the child are both smiling and that is absolute bullshit (laughs) it's a lie it's a horrific lie it's a fucking horrific lie well, they do finally get the snot sucker, and by that I mean the sedation into T'Pol, and they're, they're all taking a second to to breathe after having to wrestle the super strong Vulcan into yeah. the bio bed. <laughs> a side effect of, like, the crazies going on here it needs to be that, like, Vulcans take a minus five to strength. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens when you put on that new racial template for the fact that you got converted into a zombie. Yeah. Like uh, that fucks with the electrolytes or something. After credits, we get a flyby of the Enterprise. And I don't know what happened, but that Enterprise CG that they're rocking fucking pops. That is the highest resolution I've seen. I don't. Was there anything in the memory alpha about them getting like new CGI money? There was a lot about the sets in this episode, but I didn't see anything about the CGI on first glance. If I didn't know any better, I'd say someone had gone through and remastered that. That that's how out of place and how good that looks. And there were several exterior shots of Enterprise that look super good. And then towards the end of the episode, there's one final exterior shot, and it's like back to like fuzzy 480p. Yeah, there was there were a couple other shots that I felt like really did well in HD, and maybe that's just because someone took the extra time on them and allowed them and and developed the detail even though they knew it wasn't going to show up on a standard def, they were thinking ahead more of like, Oh, someday it's going to be on DVD. I want to be comparing this to reanimator. We better, we better pull out all the stops. So, but yes, I agree. It did pop and the whole episodes visual effects are pretty good because uh, they are going to be spending their time in a, in a asteroid field, you know, classic space hazard. And so we got a lot of CG action that's going to come across and most of it's pretty good for the era. It's pretty good. Is a great, Pretty great for for especially for a TV. Yeah, it's batting above average here. So the the actual episode goes one day earlier. So we we are now back to where everyone is not crazy and and having to be wrestled into a bio bed. 
Uh, Trip and Archer are in the, the command center. They're talking over findings from the Zindi ship that they captured a few episodes back, trying to get more information about the subspace anomalies that they keep running into. And there's a, dis- a discussion about maybe we need to re-initiate uh, initiate, uh, movie night because the crew's skipping meals. They're stressed. And yeah, we're on a mission here, but we got to have some amount of relief or, you know, people aren't going to be at their best and they're going to be running their engines a little too hot. That's interesting side commentary, too. I mean, think about after 9-11, how long it took for you to allow yourself to enjoy entertainment again. It took a while. It took a while. I think both entertainers and and the citizens in general struggled for when it was going to be okay for laughter. Uh, but then in walks to Paul and she's like, well, what's going on here? She's a little put out that they were working without her. Uh, but ultimately, you know, we, we again, continuity trip was up late because he can't sleep. And they, as they talk over, uh, you know, potential of doing movies, that's when they get a call from Hoshi and on the bridge saying they have uh, found a transponder for a Vulcan vessel. And in fact, they're also picking up an automated distress call. They can't reach them. Uh, they can't actually talk to them, but they're getting the. We are in danger, repeat, type of message from them. And uh, it's a Vulcan ship called the Salea. Salea is a known quantity. T'Pol gets on comm. She verifies the transponder signal and she goes, I know this is uh, correct. As it turns out, believe it or not, I just so happen to have served on the Salea. It was my final posting before I was assigned to the Vulcan Enclave on Earth, which a little too convenient. I think a way to work that would have been like, yeah, I've worked on this class before. Because ultimately, the goal in this is to give to Paul a reasonable knowledge of the layout of the ship. So when they bring her in with the away team, she's got like inside knowledge. But I think it's also I think it's also so that she knows these people personally. And they pay that off with the scene in the sick bay. You know? Yeah. And since they did go that direction, I would have liked to see once she loses control of her emotions to start crying for her dead friends and like give you that insight to like, what are the Vulcans hiding? What might she be harboring for her own crew? Like, you know, those are my those are my that was my crew. That was my family. I cared about what whatever fucking drops in the bucket uh, compared to the greatness of this episode. So. Uh, Archer gets pulled off of his Jack Bauer 24 adventure, goes, all right, well, laying a course. And the episode doesn't say anything about it. But, you know, if you're into season three, episode five of Enterprise, you've probably been there since the. No, actually, you know what? You probably weren't. there. (laughs) (laughs) You were there from the beginning, but there's very few of you left. Or in your case, you know, someone said, no, man, it gets good in season three. Yeah, or you just join this program already in progress. Anybody I ever talk to and say you should watch Enterprise, it'll be starting with, you know, the expanse. Yeah, the expanse. Uh, so maybe you didn't know. Yeah, No, in the expanse, that does have Suval going. Stay the fuck out. That is bad. Yeah. Watch Here's- the pilot, watch expanse and then watch this. And that does actually give you the context. This is a no go zone for Vulcans. Uh, it turned Klingons inside out, anatomically inside out, and we sent we have ships in there, and it turned into Event Horizon. This is a fucking bad time. So 
a Vulcan transponder distress code going off Archer knows and Tapal knows. And would anybody else know? Was anybody else in the briefing? No, it was just the two of them. I mean, he would have had to share that info. Oh, with his I, I don't think that it's a secret that's, that that happened. I'm just saying that's who was in the scene. Sure. But I mean, maybe Archer did hide it. And that would have been good to explore, too, is like, no, nah, I didn't want to spook the crew. And then it's like, I think we should have known that Klingons were turned inside fucking out. And we were in, you know, the danger room over here. But if you're watching the show, you know, these this this distress call, you're not going to find happy, well-adjusted people like you're going into the fucking you're going into raccoon city the show has warned you this could be very bad already before they said uh that was a ship i served on there was part of me was kind of like okay cool so there's vulcans there we know that suval said we don't go in there anymore like i was kind of hoping that this was going to be the vulcan cenobites cenobites who were like hey man we're just exploring our feelings and learning the illegal thoughts and occasionally like psychic raping people. But, you know, we weren't really trying to push that angle during our initial introduction. <laughs> like maybe there was going to be some nefarious angle there. But no, this is a uh, this is straight up Vulcan science directorate. No, that's I mean, Vulcan it's Vulcan high, high command. command. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's Vulcan high command and it's their ship and it got trapped. And then the other ship where the discount event horizon happened was the ship that was sent to find the Salea. So this thing has been packed in. Mm. Yeah, that's what they said was you already know what happened to the ship we sent to try and find these guys after they got trapped in here. No. Yeah. I'm, I am correct. So one was mapping the outside of the. Yes. And that the was cloud. the Salea. And that was the Salea. And they got caught in an eddy and sucked in. Correct. And the other ship where we got the transmission, that was the Event Horizon ship. And that was the one that just touched madness. So there's even more, oh, this thing, uh, this thing could be a real bad time. This is going to be actual Event Horizon or yes. you know, some some version of uh, the danger zone. So they, they arrive and they get to the asteroid field we already mentioned. And so, of course, they're going to have to take a shuttle in. Now... There's asteroid fields that you usually see in Star Trek, which is rocks floating out in space. And then there's the asteroid field in season three, episode five, Impulse, that is the Thunderdome of asteroid <laughs> fields, where it is just every asteroid. They, they took all the asteroids in the sector, they put them all together, and they said, listen, there's there's a $6 million lottery ticket to whatever asteroid is left, not smash the fuck up. And I don't know what an asteroid would do with $6 million, but by God, these asteroids want it. They are going, they were in the, 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 they're at the punk show in the pit, you know, they're just jamming into each other. Take the, whatever the last revision they did to, uh, which it was, uh, was it star Wars new hope where they land and then the fucking, the worm pops out and tries to eat the Falcon, right? No, no, that's that's Empire Strikes Back. Is it? Okay, so like, whatever like the most remastered version is where like they've got the real good asteroids and it's like white knuckle TIE fighters flying around like that's this level asteroid. Actually, it might even been a little bit more angry than that. And it's because of the the weird subspace anomalies that this is happening. And on top of all of this, this asteroid field has a ton of trillium ore. So 
Trip has been given the side quest to acquire as much as he can because, of course, uh, the Annex one is trying to synthesize the liquid form of it so that they can prevent them from being affected by these uh, these these hazards, these space hazards. So uh, it is Archer, it is uh, Reed, uh, it is T'Pol, and it is one of the XCOM guys, but he's one of the ones that has like some extra levels. Like he's a ranger and he's been a promoted a couple times. And so he's got some extra skills. It's it's Corporal Hawkins. He's also the worst guest actor they've had since uh, Precious Cargo. This Let's guy just say he's a stunt guy. <laughs> you know, should not have had fucking lines. This, this, no. He was awful, awful, awful. This shuttle pod away team mission going into the most dangerous asteroid field we have ever seen in Star Trek. And the fact that fucking Travis Mayweather was not behind the stick was infuriating. And I was ready to just crucify this episode. Be like, I get Jonathan Archer's Mary Sue fucking background. And he's the best at everything, whether it's warp five engine warp theory and star charting and water polo and uh dog ownership i mean if he trained porthos i'll give him that one that that's a fucking solid (laughs) it's an expensive merit but okay you know i'm a great test pilot i'll like it needed to be mayweather and I, i was insulted that they didn't give mayweather his sit chance in the spotlight again the b plot of we need trillium d and involving him to the degree he does there makes up for it. Like, yeah, they eventually give him hot shot pilot the asteroid belt moments. But they I'm going to tell you right now, I'm salty. I didn't get to see a uh, super yoked Mayweather fucking gang tackle <laughs> some Vulcan <laughs> zombies in this episode. He needed to be there because he needed to replace the XCOM guy as yes. the dude who can't act but can also body fools. <laughs> I, and I'm telling you, when Mayweather's beating people up, the acting doesn't matter. Like, yeah, he could have been the, the fucking guy in the party that doesn't even have a gun. He's just smashing heads into fucking corners and <laughs> taking one guy and hitting two other guys with the first guy. Corporal Hawkins represents, though, this guy is not an actor, but he is looks like a Marine and he does his job very well. He ain't Corporal, got time to bleed. Corporal Hawkins real value add to this episode is that he is so awful in his acting that the probability he is going to die is so high. You're just waiting for it. And you're like, gosh, are they going to kill this guy? Especially by the end, like when he has to go across the pit and you're like, this is is the moment where the red shirt dies, right? This This is is why this guy's going to get fucking sacked by a zombie horde and fall 15 decks to his death and even squeaks by on that. And like right up to the very end, I'm like, Something like Resident Evil, the movie like that liquor is going to shoot its tongue through the window of the shuttlecraft, hit this dude in the neck and then like rip him out the window. And and was the I, we are skipping a bit of the head. But yet, since we're talking about it, it makes a lot of sense. The fact that Corporal Hawkins survives is the the actual tension, because, you know, Reed and Paul and Archer are making it right. The real question is if the fourth guy you've never seen before is going to make it. So the, the he the writers it's know not that. the blonde girl with the see through shirt. Yeah, it's not Colonel Hayes or Major Hayes or whatever his name is. This is completely brand new, dude. 
And this guy, you know, is expendable. You're watching Star Trek. This is a trope that is extraordinarily well known to you. It's well known to the people who wrote it. It's well known to the people who produced it. It's well known to the people watching it. And you're waiting. You're waiting and you're waiting. And it was a brilliant subversion of expectation that he, he makes it through. You know, slightly wounded. He's going to be, you know, he'll be back in six days with an extra promotion. He he made it. With the side, note, side note. You only had two health left, but he made it. They just went through House of the Dead. Nobody died. They fought the Borg. Nobody died. Everything else. Nobody died. Klingons. They fought nobody Klingons. Died. Nobody died. But some fucking. We used to be fur trader, and now we're <laughs> space pirates. That's that's the first organization to get a solid kill on Enterprise. Come on. So they fly over through some hot shit piloting. It's cool to go. Uh, all right, here we come. They get up on the with the Sela. Yeah, the 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 Sela. Yeah, and we get our first look at the ship, and it is fucked. It's the uh, Vulcan like cruiser design where there's like a the big ring. ring. Yeah, the ring warp drive in the back. And we've seen these ships get their asses kicked before. The Tholians fucked them up back in uh, what future tense? Yes, but not this bad, man. Like there is exposed hull all over the place. This is the most fucked up you've seen a ship since Voyager and like. Uh, year of hell uh, decks that are decompressed that's barely still functioning it's basically just getting randomly pelted by asteroids that wander by and it doesn't have long and they know there's bioscience on board but they can't seem to get anyone on on the comps so they decide to go in when they go in to this ship it starts by them opening the hatch and climbing up and when i said in the opening that the bound the background sound effects are literally like the ambient noises from Quake. That's what it sounds like back there. I don't know about you, Peter, but if I like pop out and I'm hearing like your three steps from the hellmouth noises randomly in the background, hard no. This is a damned. <laughs> I can hear I, I have ears. We out. Get back in. Get back in the car. We're out of here. Look at what's going. Okay, they scan the ship. They say we've got confirmed life signs. Nobody yeah. is answering the hails. Something's weird. They dock. It's kind of a goofy docking situation too. Like the shuttle docks. It uses the the top hatch with the the you know attached to the uh, the donkey clamps, which they eventually have to phaser off. I'll I'll discuss that victory lap later. You are um, you're taking quite a few of those lately. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I take no pride in it because I don't even remember what my initial assertion is. Every time the inter- the the shuttlecraft's docking to a ship is presented, some zany new docking method is being employed because there's no clear Bible or anything about the design language of this ship that expresses like this is how this thing should fucking dock. So it's just completely different every time. It is hilarious. Uh, but they dock and they crawl through the ceiling and then crawl onto the floor, out of the floor, which is so stupid. Like, it should, whatever. And I'm sure there's a reason why they did it, but it looks dumb that you're boarding a fucking ship by crawling out of the sewers like your Ninja Turtles. But as they're crawling up out of the floor, the guns are out. Mm -hmm. You are docking with an allied vessel that is doing a distress call. Like, there's no part about this on paper where it's like, when you enter your allies' vessel, make sure that you have your guns drawn. And these aren't phase pistols. 
there's two fucking rifles and two pistols and people are ready for it. I was reading up on the Makos. Uh, they said that the uh, Marines actually that their technology and their weapons was several years ahead of even Starfleet, which I think is very interesting. It makes sense because they're a military organization. They're developing their weapons as their focus. Right. Starfleet's it, trying to make engines and shit. Sure. And it's also interesting that like the Makos would deploy to Enterprise on a quest to save the literal world from Zindi attack and Mako not just be like, hey, everybody gets a phaser rifle and our good guns. Forget about your goofy, ugly ass squirt guns. Um, over on Enterprise. We get the B plot, which. May as well be actually a plot because that's how important it is. A lot of time B plot is completely divorced of anything going on a plot. This one B plot is needed to make the A plot work. And that B plot was, hey, they got Trellium D out in this uh, asteroid field, which is why. The Vulcans were here while I'm gone. Try and do what you can to get it. And it begins with uh, they show Mayweather. I'm like this. This is why. Mayweather, not only was he not on the bridge when they flew up onto this asteroid, like he must have not been working that day. Not only is he not on the shuttle pod, but now Mayweather's running the fucking transporter to try and beam asteroids onto the ship, which is a good use of the 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 transporter. First time works good. Trip grabs it the second time to go for a big one. They get hit by the subspace wave and fucks up the, the transporter. And suddenly you got a little industrial accident. Not one involves any bloodshed. Sadly. But uh, does fuck the transporter way up by materializing pieces of a rock in it. Dozens of pieces. It's it's a I like trips like, well, that'll be a new one for the maintenance crew. Now that I've made a complete mess and beamed rocks into the fucking walls and emitter coils. (laughs) Let's just walk away. And in the process, what they're doing there is they're saying. You cannot use a transporter for the rest of this episode, which yeah. is strong, so important. It's strong to take that off the table right away. So important. Yeah. And they go, okay, well, we just fucked up this crucial piece of escape technology. Um, hey, why don't we take the only other shuttle pod <laughs> and go fly into the fucking danger zone over there? You've got Frank your, up your Kenny Loggins. You have your ship's captain, executive officer, weapons officer. And one of your Marines forward deployed into an unknown situation dealing with potentially hostile, you know, people. You've no idea because all you know is that Vulcans didn't react well to this part of space, at least in one context. You have one other shuttle to be able to exfiltrate them in an emergency. And you're like, let's fuck around on an asteroid with it. Travis, get your EV suit. (laughs) Like, uh, this is a terrible command decision trip. Why are you doing this? At no point does anybody go, you know, let's wait for the captain to get back. Because, like, once they finish whatever they're doing over there, we could spend, like, a week and a half mining this in, like, half. Yeah, take as much time as we need. We don't have to do it right now while all of our uh, exposed bits are dangling over there by a bear trap. Cut back over to the Vulcan ship. Which and- I, I was I was making a joke about how they were using the sound effects. It's fucking dope in there. It is horror movie to the max. The lights, the the place is completely busted up. It definitely looks like I am in level one of a first person shooter that is going to be one where a lot of heavy metal music gets played. And I am going to have to deal with waves of enemies. 
And level one of a video game is where they put the most work because everybody is going to see level one. Not everybody sees the last level. So when you you put a lot of work on that front end and it shows in this. And I keep going back to these Borg episodes because there's nothing else that you can compare other than the Species 8472 as like the scary other ship where shit is all fucked up. Nothing looks cheap. Nothing looks junky. Nothing looks, you know, sci-fi original. Yeah. It's all solid. And they do what you do in every horror movie. They go, all right, split the team. It's going to be Archer and T'Pol, and then we're going to send off reading, you know, I'm going to die guy. They start with Archer and T'Pol. They're wandering the ship's corridors, trying to find some of the people that they're detecting with their equipment. And lo and behold, they find a door. The door is locked. They can't seem to open it, but they know there's life forms behind it. T'Pol accesses a manual release in the back. And when that manual release is pulled, the door opens. Archer receives what he's always looking for in these circumstances. That is a head wound. Mm. When he is greeted in the face by a very nasty tetanus ridden club and a Vulcan who is wielding it, who is uh, he has taken a bath in whatever the shit the Joker got put in. I guess it is. He is sea green with like warts all over him. Vulcan zombie, and that's what these guys are. They're they're zombies. Lunges forward, strikes Archer in the face, scratches him, leaving claw marks. That's not what Archer's about. Archer wants. I think there was some impact there. There no, was some uh-uh. impact. There. The makeup was bad, but there was some. There was con- some concussion. Force. You don't come at Archer open handed. That's not disco. He's not going to get a dick hard. He wants that closed hand punch. So he, he gets to a little feel the ringing. That's how he gets hard. You know. Yeah, so he just gets basically insulted and from that point forward is inflicted with the worst makeup job we've seen since the last time Archer had a half-ass head wound, which I think was, was that the, when he got sentenced and he had to be in jail? He had that little blood smear right here and it just looked awful the whole time. I now officially sign our Chadish to count Archer's head wounds because he is both, you know, he is both our our justice and uh, information uh, arbiter, as well as a medical doctor. I mean, this is this is something he's built to do. Let's make it easy. He only has to count the the shitty ones that don't really count, like the scratch and whatever that blood smear. God, what episode was that? Uh, they take quite a few phaser blasts to bring this guy down. And that is going to become important because there are a lot of zombies on this Vulcan zombie cruise ship. Papa Nurgle has visited these guys and given them extra toughness dice. That's a 40k joke for all of you out there. Uh, And for for reals, for reals. These guys are super resilient, and we see just how resilient they are actually in our second action sequence when XCOM guy and Reed have to fight off waves of enemies using their rifles, and it is rough going. They are getting attacked from multiple angles. They are having to like literally gun these guys down in rows. Some of them get close. The XCOM guy takes an axe wound before he busts out his electric tomfa. It it's yeah, get a lot of mileage too. Oh, it's it's a lot. It, it's like the horde is overrunning them, and they are trying to beat them back. I thought it was funny too because right after T'Pol and Archer get jumped, I'm like, why are they not immediately calling the other away team? Like. This is a real dick move. Are they just going to let Reed walk into it? Uh, And then, you know, he did make the call. 
Reed is using the Mako phaser rifle. He's not even using the Starfleet phaser rifle, which looks corny and stupid. It seems like the hand phasers are almost more effective than the rifles are. But yeah, that is a long action sequence. And again, this is a great episode. The stunt coordinator on this one uh, took the, the actor for Reed off to corner and said, this is how this is the right way to hold a gun. Yeah, this is what it looks like when you're holding a gun and you are really gunning people down. What you're doing, what you've been doing out there is you're holding this gun like it's a melting popsicle that you don't want to hold. And you're trying to hold it with as few fingers as possible. All He's of doing- the fingers need to be wrapped around. And you need to hold this thing like you don't want that zombie over there to take it away and shove it up your ass. And you, it- you, you're, you're flourishing you're like it's a sword. It's not a sword. It's a gun. You have to keep it close to yourself so that you can precisely aim it and move between targets because that's what its actual purpose is. You're being a theater actor thinking this is my weapon. I am presenting it for people to see so that you know that I'm armed. No, no, no. Like, that's not how this is supposed to go. This is a military drama. There's a military rifle. You should treat it like a military weapon as if it were real. And And he pays attention. Yeah, uh, I'm also paying attention to these Vulcan zombies. The makeup looks solid. These guys look sick. Oh, they yeah. look crazy. Uh, the makeup is great. The wardrobe. Not so great. And the best way I can describe what the Vulcan science uniforms or whatever the fuck they're wearing. Last episode, I said, hey, the bug Zindi bad guys are like knockoffs of uh, the bad guy from. uh Galaxy Quest? Yes. The, the, the lizard ones are the knockoff of the of Vulcans the are wearing the same like plastic jumpsuits that the good aliens with the with the Vulcan haircuts. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, they're the they're the blue with the silver. And that's exactly what they're wearing here. The the lighting hides a lot of it, but I bet you those were some sweaty fucking suits to be wearing if you were one of the stunt guys. Especially because that set's so claustrophobic. So it was going to be warm no matter what they did. So I'm loving all the zombie action. Uh, They get through. And again, Mako guy taking the arm wound and like just bleeding everywhere. Like, oh, shit, this is going to get real here. Um, Again, I'm sad that Mayweather's not involved because I would have loved to see him fucking rampage and just throwing fools one punch manning all of these songs all the zombies <laughs> <laughs> he trying to get, the- he's, he's literally got reed's back by just by flailing his arms around his, his coiled steel so uh yeah this is basically like resident evil 4 mercenaries like where it's just wave base running around the village and and gunning everybody down this is probably the most phaser shots i've ever seen in a star trek including yeah. the fucking bad robot movies and there's a lot of gunplay in those it, it can't emphasize enough it is waves of enemies these guys are gunning down there and they are purposefully using stun it actually becomes a bit of a plot point that and here's where it happens is they yeah. reconvene and uh bad acting mako guy reaches up and clicks the top of his gun and uh to paul who has been acting increasingly squirrely goes what the fuck are you doing and he's like well stun's not working it makes sense for us to switch up to kill and she ain't having it. She reprimands him. She's very clearly emotional. Archer steps in and also reprimands him and say, now we're stunning. Be, to be clear, I, I don't, <laughs> I, we're going to try and 
fix whatever the fuck's going on. We all know it's fucked, but you know, we're going to try not to kill these people to which he, he begrudgingly agrees. And when they decide to try and make their way first to the sick bay, because they got to get to the bridge bridge is seven decks away. Uh, but, but Mako guy's got an arm wound. So they got to get to the sick bay I to treat try, that. Do they try to retreat first? Well, they, they find each other. They try to retreat that fails. They try to go back to the shuttle and two of the zombies got there first and closed the airlock. And that's so, what that's what forces them to continue through the ship. That's where we find out that these guys aren't exactly zombies. They are not in their right minds, but they are not mindless. They certainly have their cunning. The uh, the Vulcans block entry. They're, they're standing over that floor hatch. They start trying to talk. Hey, you know, we're trying to help you. We got to get to our shuttle. We want to help you. And then like zombie Vulcan flip the switch and like the bulkhead goes down. I'm sorry. The blast door goes down. The control panel shot and there is no way to get in. So now we know these guys are thinking. And also during one of those zombie waves, like one of the Vulcans had some sort of green phaser. I I did see a, a weapon discharge there. Correct. Yeah. One of them shows up and kind of clumsily shoots it at them. So, you know, it makes sense that T'Pol has hope that they are going to be able to help these guys. And, you know, they shouldn't just be shooting people on kill. Um, is this where we switch over to the B plot again and see what's going on with them? It, just to wrap up, I'm not exactly sure when the, the next B plot uh, beat occurs, but the the table setting here is that Archer talks to DePaul and be like, you don't seem OK as they launch their new plan. And she says, yeah, like I'm starting to feel as if something about the ship is affecting me on physiological level. And I'm starting to lose the ability to govern my emotions. So she she says that to Archer, like this is happening and you definitely need to be aware of it. Quick side note. We did see when they entered the ship that the Vulcans had been again, uh, applying Trillium D to the interior bulkheads to try to insulate the ship from the, the nonsense. So there's a zombie wave. They get stuck, uh, in basically an elevator shaft for all intents and purposes as they barely escape. So many Vulcans are getting their hands on these guys too. And like, you know, Vulcans are, have like the strength of a chimpanzee and should just be able to rip these guys' arms out of their yeah. sockets. Minus so, five strength. You already named. You already mentioned it. Minus five, maybe even like minus six. Yeah, That's well, how like silly it is. All their strength got dumped into t- to constitution. Yeah, I like that. That's that's yeah. That's they're more HP there. but less less damage. Mm-hmm. Well, the, so they're in the elevator shaft. They're like, listen, we got to go to the bridge. That's seven decks up. That's going to be a hike. Uh, but Mako guys bleeding out over here. Let's push to the sick bay instead. Correct. So for the B plot, we finally see uh, uh, Trip and Mayweather heading in the other shuttle pod to land on an asteroid that has Trillium on it. It's probably the best showing for Mayweather as a hotshot pilot is him trying to get down on this on this asteroid. And it's tough. There's nowhere to land flat. And he ends up like skirting the edge of a little piece of it, but actually manages to get the the shuttlecraft down pretty successfully without damage. And, uh, you know, it's like, oh, don't tell anybody that I was only 95% accurate here. And he's like, bro, that was impressive. Let's get some rocks. Should have brought some extra crewmen too to like load as many rocks as possible, whatever. They start doing it. Uh, 
it, I don't know at what point it happens, but just to kind of wrap up that segment, they're on the asteroid. A, another anomaly hits. The flow patterns of the asteroid start to change, and now the asteroid they're actively mining is getting sucked deeper into the field and is going to be at a higher risk of colliding with other asteroids. So they wrap up their mining party, they get in the ship, and they try to fly off. Barely in the nick of time, they get out, shit's smashing all over the place, and that shuttle gets pelted with debris from colliding asteroids and picks up some really cool battle damage. So by the time they get back to Enterprise, the exterior set piece of the shuttle is just thrashed. And they're like, man, made another mess for maintenance, I guess. Ha ha ha. It's going to be hours before that one's ready. Good job, Trip, and sealing off all external escape routes for the away team. Mission completed. Chris is Albert Wesker, by the way. I'm sorry, Trip is Albert Wesker. When they get close to the sick bay, they get attacked by another Vulcan zombie and they stun the guy and drag him into the sick bay and lock the doors behind them. And that's when we not only is is there a med pack applied to the XCOM guy, uh, they put the zombie they recovered onto the bio bed and Paul's trying to figure out what's going on is becoming obviously quite increasingly agitated. She knows this guy. She knows this guy. This guy was the chief engineer tries to communicate with him and he is clearly like they did an extra super good job on his makeup because he got close-ups his teeth's fucked up his gums are fucked up it is a bad sign and she tries talking to him and he is clearly a mindless zombie and i think this is when you get to paul's kind of best moment of like oh this is what's happening to me like her panic her fear you know she's she, she's figuring out like, oh, this is real bad and it's going to be real bad for me and I can see my fate and I still have enough of myself to comprehend that fate and it's going to f- it freaks her the fuck out. And she wigs out in a way that I really liked, which was still somewhat restrained, but also like, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, uh, they most importantly are able to get scans off of this guy which yeah. they will later be relaying to flocks on enterprise. So they leave sick bay, try to make their way up. Uh, I don't think they, do they get to the bridge? They do. They, they do get, get to the bridge. That's a and, small ass bridge. Yeah. And they ultimately, you know, they lock all the doors, but they say, Reed says like, eventually they're going to get in if they want to get in. I can, I can only keep them out for so long. And when they get up there, that's when they are able to communicate with, enterprise and let them know yo trip get the other shuttle pod and get us out of here to which he says yeah that got fucked up because i went on an adventure for rocks you're gonna have to wait like two hours for just like okay i guess fix it as soon as you can we'll see if we can get ourselves the fuck out of here you mean you ruined our escape route damn it i guess we're just gonna have to deal with the transporter 12 seconds of hell beam us out yeah i fucked that one up too you know, you told me to like get Trillium. I thought what you meant was like take all your escape routes and smash it up with Trillium D. Moopsie daisies. And then they cue some sinister music as it zooms in on his eyes narrowing. Um, there's a scene in there where they're trying to make the broadcast and bring an auxiliary relay online or something. Uh, the smartest person on the ship, you know, Reed. <laughs> <laughs> The guy who invented shields, the guy who learned how to overclock phasers. Uh, He wires it up wrong, so it blows up. 
and we get a good outburst out of uh, I don't know. Again, like I'm paying for the good was, outbursts, but like I liked what she was doing in the bridge and in sick bay. It's as they go through the hallway that it gets weak. And it's because they peaked too early with her paranoia and her acting. And then they had another huge action sequence to go where she's basically just literally on Scott Bakula's back as he's walking through the hallways, stunned that it feels like the the dramatic tension has been sucked out of the room. We got to jump back a second because the awful acting Mako guy has some alone time with her where he apologizes like, hey, sorry, I tried setting my phaser to kill and, you know, murder your friends. That was naughty of me. And she's like, I forgive you. And then he's like, why would people want to kill us? And we start kind of shedding some light on what's actually going on here. These aren't zombies per se. Like there's certainly a level of physical rock going on. But what's happening in it, what Flocks will later confirm with his scans, the sickness is breaking down uh, neuropathways in the Vulcan brain that allow them to exert the level of self-control that they have. And what we're seeing is uh, Vulcans who have been stripped of their logic and of their control, and they're acting in a primordial sense. And that yeah. is, you know, not even personality. There's nothing restraining their violence. Uh, Paul says once upon a time, this is how we were. We were paranoid. We were psychotic. We would kill on whim. Uh, and we almost destroyed ourselves with this kind of activity. And, and she's, you know, giving you a peek behind the curtain that these are just like cavemen proto Vulcans. Vulcans and, are, don't have an ironclad command of their emotions because they just like it. It's that they believe and perhaps correctly that it is necessary. That they have to have this kind of command because they so deeply fear allowing any piece of this to emerge. And this is all good lore. You know, this is solid. You jump back to Voyager. I think, was it the thing with Lon Suter, maybe? Uh, Tuvok. You know, there there are, f- their brains are physically reinforced. They are more resilient. And when those, those brain muscles weaken, uh, they start getting emotional and they start getting violent and naughty. So this is the worst case of that we've seen. After, after they try to talk to Paul off the ledge as she gets in their face about paranoid delusions she's having about you know, the away team trying to kill her. The zombies Le- get very creative Le- real quick. I mean, she goes right back to season one and two Archer and is like, you hate us. You hate you all You're trying to kill us all. Yeah. You, you blame us for sabotaging your dad's work. Like you're a well-known Vulcan hater. And, and I see now, you know, you were plotting behind my back. You and trip, you were excluding me. And she starts it's wild speculation, but it's Metallus and, and this other guy, you know, using good character lore and established scenes we've already seen and stuff we know to like reinforce the accusations. Flox lets the away team know you can save to Paul. The rest of them are already so brain rotted. No one, no one can save them. So get the fuck out of there. Uh, and they have to take a pretty suspicious, unwilling and increasingly angry to Paul along on a harrowing trip to get to the bulkheads that they are going to unseal by cutting all of the power and shutting everything down, which will inevitably lead to antimatter uh, containment failing. And of course the ship exploding, 
but we'll also unlock the doors. So that's how we're getting out of here. Uh, it is essentially fait accompli. All of these guys are going to die in the explosion. Uh, but Flox has made it clear there's no saving them except the one you've got with you. So time to go. Lost and, cause. You know, time's ticking down here, too. Once they hit a point where they're like, we are going to consign this ship to death. We're going to induce a warp core uh, explosion. I think at that point, like, okay, time to switch those weapons over to kill. We can start mercy killing people along the way because yeah, this we- shooting people six you know, or so times, depending on our level of plot lasers. Uh, we we got to quit playing around here, but they keep them on stun. And they have a pretty good run and gun. Uh, finally, DePaul gets extra super crazy, pulls a gun on them. It's like, listen, I've shot crew members before. I would love to shoot you, John Archer, because you've certainly had it coming for a while now. They disarm her before they get a chance, and they ultimately end up doing what they should have done a while ago, and they just stun her and zap her ass out. <laughs> Archer throws all 45 pounds of her over his shoulder. All of it contained within her chest. Yeah. And my wife. <laughs> what would Casey say? My wife's like, I don't all I see is nipples and lips. It's true. She started uh, searching Jolene Blaylock and seeing like what she looked like now. She had some thoughts on the Instagram there, and I don't know what Jolene Blaylock's gone on to do. I don't know involved she is in the con circuit, but she's certainly living a life out there. I don't the over a, a word. For any any women uh, dealing with age, as we all do as time goes on, it's okay to age. Don't yes. don't work too hard at trying to stop it. That actually is far worse. You don't want to turn into the lady that played Catwoman. Yeah, like don't be Eartha Kit. Be well, be Helen Mirren. <laughs> you know, like age with grace. Yeah. Use it to your advantage. Like that that there's an there's an appeal to that. Anyway, um, the the key. Final Set action piece. sequence is a classic pit trap has appeared as a consequence of how fucked the ship has become. And they have to cross over a chasm. They cannot possibly jump. Uh, fortunately, there is a beam sized piece of space debris that is just large enough to span this hallway that is broken and they must get across it. And the difficulty in doing this becomes exponentially uh, increased as not only does uh, Archer have to take DePaul across fa- uh, with a fireman's carry, uh, then when XCOM guy tries to get across, he gets attacked from both sides by like other zombies who are trying basically to throw their bodies at him to try and knock them down. And this is when you think this is it. You're going to get a Wilhelm scream. He's going to get pulled into the abyss. It's going to be another like face for the memorial wall back on the ship. But in in a in a massive subversion of expectations. Hold on a second. Not only does he have zombies actively attacking him, but the anomalies are kicking up, and the ship is breaking apart literally. Yeah. So you have earthquakes going on too. You have every reason to think this guy's short hard of fail. the hallway in uh, Galaxy Quest, where there's like metal stampers shooting yeah. down and from the sides to like crush him, like. That is the closest to that that we have ever actually gotten in Star Trek. Like, this is the most harrowing. I need to run down the hallway and not be killed in the process. And and, and this massive subversion of expectations is when 
you that guy who you think is going to be the one that pulls him down goes to make the move it's gonna be him right like it's framed that way he's coming from below see his face you see his face you think this is it fucking XCOM guy this is sparta's the dude kicks him down the hall and then makes his way across and actually manages to get to the extraction point couldn't believe it i couldn't believe it they get up against the bulkhead. The door starts opening like, all right, now the zombie on the other side is going to like bite him in the neck. But there's no zombie there. They're just out free and clear. Like, oh, OK, wow. They all get in their shuttlecraft. Uh, they start trying to get away. Oh, no, the docking clamps won't disengage. Don't worry. Trip trip uh, was managed to to throw some some patches on the outside of the hole fast enough to get the other the other shuttle pod out and uh, uses the shuttle pod phasers to blow the the uh, link to the uh, the original shuttle pod and they were able to all get out of there in time. Which we get a real up close shot on the docking hatch whatever, which I'm all shits and grins about. Like, oh, here we go. I'm gonna be right some more, and I'm like. I don't know what the fuck this structure is. I've never seen this thing before. Trip blows it off. Uh, I'm thinking now, too, like as they were sealing off escape options, like it never dawned on Trip. Maybe we should get the uh, Suluban cell ship out of storage and like use that to rescue the captain. It is small. It is maneuverable. I don't think the cloaking helps you here, but it can't hurt. Do they still have that thing? Is that going to get used again or is, did they finally leave it <laughs> on Earth? I can't remember if they used that again. I'll be honest with you. They must have forgot about it. Just like yeah. everybody else had forgotten about it. So they get back. We get a pretty sweet flight scene as, you know, both yeah. uh, shuttlecraft fly away from the rapidly exploding Sela uh, and, you know, back they go to Enterprise. So when they arrive back, we are now post the opening, right? We are post. They have started to do treatment for T'Pol. And they talk about like, man, we went all this trouble to do this Trillium D shit. And apparently it's going to like melt fucking to Paul's brain. And we can't use it. And they're like, well, put it in the storage locker for now. Let's we'll figure out if we can. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about that. this. That's what Flox identifies as the cause. Yeah. Uh, so. Great plot twist here. Vulcans are. Allergic to Trellium D that is poisoning them. That's what drove these guys nuts. So this ship originally was mapping the outside of the Delphic expanse, that uh, cloud wall. They got sucked in. They went through the same shit enterprise did and figured out one way or another, like, Hey, we're going to have to insulate our hull. Found this Trillium deposits doing pretty good for themselves. And inadvertently uh, poison the entire crew and condemn them to uh, their their wicked, evil, illogical states. Uh, and I'm, I'm assuming then also whatever ship was sent in to rescue them, if they're acting as crazy as they were, they probably encountered Trillium D as well and, and did it to themselves. So like it's not necessarily this region of space that is driving Vulcans crazy. It's proximity to Trillium D, which you need to be in this region of space. It creates a excellent dilemma for Enterprise to have to work through. It's like, how do we deal with this particular problem of the thing we need to line our ship with is going to kill one of our crew members. They do put that off for another episode, and we get an ending that 
I'm glad the memory alpha pointed out was very reminiscent of when in first contact Picard has all of his Borg visions and it's like a vision within a vision. Well, there's a conversation between Archer and to Paul. Paul's like all fucked up on the bed. And then he's like, wake her up. I want to talk to her. And Phlox is like, dude, she's sick. Like, can you not wait? No, wake her up now. So he wakes her up just so, you know, he catches her while she's being emotional. And she's like, drop me off on the nearest planet. We can't sacrifice such an important mission for you guys. No, I'm not doing that to a crew. And then he walks away. And I'm a, in my mind, I'm counting the fact that she was woken out of her like induced coma. Like that, that's why she suffers this next part is because Archer needed to talk to her. This episode feels super long, by the way. I lost your audio. I don't hear you. It's because it's so dense. It's. There, there's not a wasted moment. No. And so it feels long. You know what I mean? So I figured we're done here and there's like another four minute action sequence waiting for us. <laughs> yeah. It's to Paul getting called to the bridge. There's a shadowy figure running around and I'm like, okay, is she like in transporter crazy time now opens up to the bridge, fucking zombies attacking her, her old crew trying to get her trying to bite her. I'm like, Oh man, what's a deeper meaning here? Finally, she wakes up. Fox is like, Hey, chill out, but it's not Fox. It's another fucking zombie. Like she wakes yeah. up from a zombie hallucination to another zombie hallucination. Yeah. Straight <laughs> out the scene from first contact. And it's like, fairly Fox. Fox is like, it's okay. You're safe. Gives her a hug or whatever. And I'm like, okay, what's the deeper meaning here? And they just cut to credits. It's just like, this is a, this is a horror. This is a horror episode. We're just trying to get some extra horror in before you have to absolutely drop it. And I'm like, and that's David Livingston. That's why this thing feels so long. David Livingston can bang out a fucking episode to the point where, like, they have to come up with extra shit. They have to come up with fucking reeds overclocking phasers. And that that's probably what this was, too. Like, I, I don't know. We finished the zombie episode too early. What do we do? Throw some more zombies. I don't know. <laughs> do something else. Create some more horror. Be creative. Whatever. You got four minutes to fill. Go at it. Great episode. Just super good. Uh, the best. The best. I, I'm not close. In my opinion, for best episode of Enterprise we've watched so far. Not close. It's a solid horror. There's good Star Trek continuity. There's good sci-fi. There's great character portrayals. It, it, incre- it, it increases the stakes of like they're, they're in this part of space that obviously has horrific effects on people. It creates a conundrum they have to solve later. Uh, we've got a character who's been through some serious shit. Yeah, like you, I can't think of a substantial flaw. With this episode, be honest this episode with you. is a sore thumb in its greatness. It is so far beyond almost anything else that we have seen. Like, there's some cool like character builders or like lore builders, like the uh, the Klingon courtroom drama. But like, this is peak action Star Trek without sacrificing any Star Trek. Um. It's going to be a hard one to top. And we're going to be going into season three, episode six, Exile, to try and do so. Uh, Exile, I'm seeing a picture of what looks like the fucking Death Star, written by Phyllis Strong. No, Mike Sussman mentioned. Interesting. Directed by Roxanne Dawson. So this is going to be very sexy. Ocean Crew, yeah. It's going to be either very sexy or somehow X-rated. It's totally (laughs) dumb. Come and a need to fuck. 
Uh, Hoshi is contacted by a mysterious telepath who offers to help the Enterprise in its mission, dot, 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 for a price. Well, if it's a Rockstand episode, um, that price is probably going to be the butt. You remember this one, Joe? I do. Um, let's say it's a strict total difference from what we just went through. Uh, Did and they just use up all the good in season three front half. No, there's plenty good. Oh, there's so much good to come. Uh, but in, yeah, it's a Roxanne episode. <laughs> all right. That's it. We're out. <laughs> Hard out. I just for that. I hope some small Picard spoiler comes your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk to you later. <laughs>